and that she is. Uh, Becky and I met Kay for the first time about a year and a half ago. She invited uh, Becky and I up to speak at uh, one of her meetings that she had in the Boston area. I was super impressed. Here was a lady that, uh, she's in her 60s. She's excited about life. She's excited about her business. She's excited about Sharon Shackley. And she looks forward to a, a great future. And that impressed me. She loves people. She cares for people. And she's just a genuine person. And we asked her to be a part of our tape program. Uh, I, I just don't know if we could come across a better person uh, either out Shackley anywhere that uh, could be one of the first ones that we have on the tape program. And we're honored to have Kay here. Kay's been in Shackley 12 years. And she'll be sharing her story, and you'll be getting some details on that. And I won't go into all the background of her history, but she's been in Shackley for 12 years. She made supervisor in 1970, made coordinator in 1975, key coordinator in 1979, and master coordinator in 1981. And from the reaction that I saw at the first master's meeting that she attended, I don't believe ever in the history of Shackley there's probably been any person more excited about making master than Kay's been. Bob, her son, joined her in the business in 1978. They are now driving their seventh bonus car. Now listen to this. A $28,000 Lincoln Continental Signature Series. A fantastic car. When we were up there speaking for her, she had not quite made master then, and she was driving around in a Shackley bonus car, but it was a station wagon. And I always thought key coordinators always got Cadillacs or Continentals, and she said, well, it's easy for me to carry my products around in, in the station wagon. I said, well, when you get master, you're going to have to get one of these big fancy cars. And she said, well, I just don't know if I can or not. But when she did make master, she said she went down and picked out colors and picked out the car and she said you know I never did even look at the price and then it came in it cost $28,000 so that's super exciting I want you to give a real warm welcome to a fantastic lady Kay Furston I want you all to make believe that you're off somewhere and there's uh, Aladdin's lamp here, and the smoke is pouring out, and out of that smoke comes a little genie. And he says, you may have any three things that you want. What would you wish for? Do you need some new drapes? Do you want a swimming pool? Do you need a new car? What do you want? Just tell me right quick. What, what is, and and uh, Laura's going to what? Health. All right. What else do you want? Well, happiness, all right? Now, there is such a genie right here in this room, and his name is Shackley. And Shackley can give you anything you want. Now, let's figure out how we're going to do this. You're going to get a new job. Now, you tell me what are the requirements of that new job. Now, this is going to be the ideal job. And so just let your mind go crazy and just think about all the things you want in this ideal job. So what's, what do you want? Set your own hours, all right? What else do you want? Be your own boss. Be your own boss. What else do you want? Sky's the limit. You want some money. And, and you want opportunity, all right? What else do you want? Security. What else do you want? 
Freedom. I think we got that. What else do you want? Retirement. What else do you want? Insurance. You want something more than that. What else do you want? Company car. What else do you want? Want to go to the top? You want to travel, okay? What else do you want? You want to be able to pass it down to your children, all right? What else do you want? Oh, 50,000 shares of Shackley stock, all right? All right, we'll put it on the board. What else do you want? Now, this is the, the, the requirements of this job, this ideal job. Work 20 hours a week and get it all, all right? I can think of something else I wanted. I wanted good working conditions. What else do you want? Good health. Well, that's probably, that's probably enough things. Thank you, Laura. All right, now I want to tell you a little bit of a once upon a time story. Once upon a time, my oldest son, Bob, was just home from college and he had gone down to help a neighbor with her mathematics. She was going back to Framingham State College and she was in her 40s and she hadn't been to college for a while and she was having trouble with her mathematics. And Bob had just had the course and so Bob went down to help her. And he came flying back and the door flew open and he said, Mom, where are you? And I was upstairs so three steps at a time up the stairs he flew. And he said, put out your hand. And I did. And he plopped some butter on it and he had a bottle with some blue stuff. And he put one drop. He said, now rub it around. So I rubbed it around. He said, now wash it under the water. And I washed it. And of course, you know what happened. My hand came clean. Now, Bob said, Mom, Nora says, this stuff will take grease out of anything. Well, I began to try the stuff. I have four boys. I have a daughter who came first and then four boys. And one of the boys is a musician. And by the way, at the table, uh, somebody mentioned about Nashville. That boy is now uh, directing the choir at Worcester College, the touring choir. And he called me the other day and he said, Mom, who do you know in Baltimore, Washington, D.C., uh, Nashville? I've forgotten what other towns he mentioned. And guess what I did? I gave him the names of some of my Shackley friends. And he called him up and said, I'm looking for a Presbyterian church where we can have a concert. And in all but one place, he, one of my Shackley friends found him a place to have them. So if anybody's going to be in, um, in Nashville, it's in March. I'm not sure what day. You're going to be able to hear Scott's choir. Well, anyway, Scott was in junior high at the time, and he was going to be in a program at school, and I'd bought him new pants, and he'd rubbed his hands down like this. And I put them in the washing machine, and the grease didn't come out. Well, I put some of this magic blue stuff on and rubbed it in a little bit and threw them back in the washing machine. And what do you know? The grease came out. So I decided, well, that's a pretty good thing. If you've got four boys and you can get grease out of permapressed pants, that's, that's a pretty good thing. And then I began to try it for other things. And then two days later, Nora called me and she said, would you like to go to a meeting about that basic age and, and some of the other stuff they have? And I said, well, why not? Jean was off at a meeting in Texas, a math meeting, and so I went to the meeting. And Mr. Cranny was there. And he talked about that basic age, and he talked about the basic L. Is there anybody here who doesn't know what basic L is? I found out in the South they've got a product that we don't have in the North, and it's called basic ale. 
<laughs> and so every now and then I have to tell the northerners about it. <laughs> well, anyway, he talked about the basic L, and then he picked up a bottle of alfalfa tablets. And he said, now, I don't know about these things, but people who have arthritis say they feel a lot better if they eat these things. Now, he said, I don't know. I've never had arthritis, but I've heard people say this. Well, let me tell you, I listened because I was having 8 to 10 aspirin a day. The doctor would say, if you can't sleep with 3-Darvon, you come in and I'll give you cortisone. Now, if you can't sleep with 3-Darvon, you really have a little bit of pain. And the intervals between the cortisone were getting shorter and shorter. And I knew I shouldn't be on that cortisone, but I didn't know what else to do. I had a very busy husband and a big house and a big family, and there were always people in, and I had to keep going. Well, I decided I'd try that stuff. Now, Mr. Cranny said to me, if you sign this application, then you can, you can sell enough to earn your own products. Now, if Mr. Cranny had said to me, you sign this paper and you will begin to build a Shackley business, I would never have signed it. Never. Because I didn't know anything about business. Not the first thing. I couldn't build a business. But I could sell enough of that basic age to earn my alfalfa tablets. So I signed the paper, and you know I've done it. <laughs> well, I got home with that bottle of alfalfa tablets. How many of those things do you suppose I should eat? Now, I'm a home ec major. Do you people know what home ec majors are taught? Nobody needs any vitamins, do they? No, you just eat a good balanced meal, don't you? Well, I was scared of those things. Now, you see, I wasn't so scared of the aspirin. Well, I was sort of, but what's the alfalfa going to do? Well, I decided I'd be really brave, and I'd try two every meal. And so I did. I tried two every meal. Now, if you've never had any vitamins, isn't that a lot? Six a day? Not one thing happened. So I decided it's just like everything else. If you've got arthritis, nothing works anyway. Well, I did finally start with the Vitally and Instant Protein, and I did have more pep and energy, but I hurt just as badly. Now, this was March. We went to Arizona in, in June. My husband taught at the University of Arizona, taught math, high school math teachers, the new math. And so we were going to be there seven weeks. And I decided somebody in Arizona knows about a Shackley because Arizona is right next door to California where this stuff started and there's got to be somebody there who knows about it. And sure enough, there was an ad in the paper a friend brought over to me. So I called this lady and said, I'm a new distributor from Massachusetts and I want to learn about the Shackley products. Now, I don't really want to sell here, but I'm going to be here seven weeks and I want to learn about it. She said, fine, come on to the meeting. And she told me how to get there. And then she said, oh, you're new in town. I'll come and get you and take you. Now, you think about that. Here is somebody who might be a competitor. And she took me to the meeting to teach me all she knew about it. You know, isn't that the Shackley way? 
Well, the first person speaking picked up a bottle of alfalfa tablets. And she said, you know, this is organically grown whole live food. And it has all the trace minerals in it that we need. Well, now, if you only need a trace, why do you even bother? <laughs> well, you know, in Mother Nature's balance, that tiny little bit of nickel and chromium and some of these other things are just as important as that big, huge amount of calcium that you need. It's Mother Nature's balance that's the most important thing. Well, now, don't you people get trace minerals? Not very much. How long have they been using commercial fertilizer? About 40 years, about the time I left home to go to college. What do they make it out of? Petroleum. And we had a, I went to a Natural Food Association meeting once and they had a, the, the night before they had a big uh, uh, program on energy and the man said, what industry outside of the home heating industry uses more petroleum than any other? And it was agriculture because they make the commercial fertilizer out of it. Now, do you know the government is beginning to be a little bit interested in organic farming? Do you know why? Petroleum is expensive. It's not so much the nutrients. It's that petroleum is beginning to be expensive. We've got to look for alternative ways. Well, so if you've been using commercial fertilizers and you put that on and had a big growth and you put it on again and another big growth and pretty soon the saws are depleted, aren't they? And they say down to the first six inches. But the alfalfa has a tap root that goes way deep, deep down, 30, 40, 50 feet deep if it wants to after the minerals and brings those up in the leaves and they're made into tablets. And then she says it's got a lot of vitamins. Has vitamin A, vitamin K, vitamin P, vitamin U, all these vitamins. It's got a lot of chlorophyll. Do you people eat chlorophyll? Of course you do, but you're not really aware of it, are you? Do you ever eat spinach, kale, uh, green peppers, parsley, any dark green things? A lot of chlorophyll. Have you ever heard of chlorettes? You ever heard of Airwick? If you were in Shackley uh, any time at all, you would have heard of Magic Air. Mother Nature's deodorizer, isn't it? And it does the same thing in our body, and it's a tremendous healer. And then she says, uh, well, it has 18% protein. Well, I knew it was high in protein because my dad fed our purebred Jersey cattle the best grade of alfalfa he could get because of the protein content. And then she just very casually mentioned her 50 alfalfa tablets a day. Fifty. Well, after the meeting, there was no way I could talk to her. She was surrounded by her distributors. And so I called her the next day. I got her name and her phone number. And I said, why in the world do you eat 50 Shackley alfalfa tablets? And how did you know that's what you really needed? And she said, well, I moved to Arizona hoping I would feel better. And I didn't really. And I used to walk with a cane, and I used to wear orthopedic shoes, and life was really miserable. But, she said, I had gone to a Shackley meeting in Colorado, and I heard this person speaking, talking about the alfalfa tablets. And it had all the minerals and the vitamins and the chlorophyll and the protein, and the lady ate 10 to 15 every meal. And she said, I thought about that all the way home.
If that's true, if that's really true, that it's only food, it won't hurt me. Might not help me, but at least it won't hurt me. And she said, I really wasn't very sure about all those drugs that I was eating. So she began then to, to eat 10 every meal. And a lot of good things began to happen in her body, so she went up to 15 a meal. When Gene came home from school that day, I told him about this conversation. I said, I'm going to do exactly what that lady did. I'm going to get a bottle of alfalfa tablets, and I'm going to start 10 every meal. So I called up the lady who had taken me to the Shackley meeting, and I said, will you bring me a bottle of 700 alfalfa tablets? And I paid the retail amount in Arizona. We didn't buy from other people's distributors then. <clears throat> so I paid the retail amount. I was glad to get it. She said to me, do you use Darvon and aspirin for pain? I said, well, of course I do. She said, I don't. She said, I eat five or six calcium when I go to bed at night, and I can go right off to sleep. I said, oh, for goodness sakes, bring the calcium. You know, this is the worst problem of it all. If you have really arthritis very badly, you can sort of cope in the daytime, but you get in the bed and you ache and you hurt and you twist and you turn and there's no way you can be comfortable and you wake up more tired than when you went to bed and everything goes the wrong way. So she brought the alfalfa and she brought the calcium and that night I ate my sixth calcium. Now you see, she didn't prescribe for me, did she? She told me what she did, and she let me decide for myself what I would do. And so this is always the way we present these supplements. If I had that problem, I think I would start doing this and this and this and see what happened. Now, you might want to change, but I think this is where I would start. Well, <clears throat> then after that first night when I could sleep, then the next morning I started with the alfalfa. And I took that every day, and I didn't forget either. And in three weeks, I didn't have any more pains in my hips or my shoulders. It really was absolutely amazing. And you know, the doctor gave me cortisone so that I could stand the ride out to Arizona. <coughs> Got a, something in my throat. Now, I have the cortisone that they gave me for the ride back home. I have not taken one aspirin, one Darvon, one cortisone since 1970. <laughs> you know, that really is a miracle. And then when we were out there, you see, my husband was a school teacher. And we never really planned to leave our children any money. But we did plan to leave them experiences. And every weekend, we went camping. And I've been on all the Indian mesas in Arizona. We've been in the mining areas. We've been in the state national forests. Those trips were just hellish for me. They were so painful. And after I had that alfalfa and I could go on those trips and enjoy them, it was wonderful. Well, then, after I finished my bottle of 700 alfalfa, I did not buy another one. I built up my body, didn't I? Well, then we started home, and it took us three weeks visiting and camping all the way home. And, you know, when I'd been out about a week, 
the pains began to come back. And when I got home, I was just as stiff as I had been before. And I used to get up off a chair and kind of go lumbering along like this until I could get myself straightened out. I started in on the alfalfa again. Now, this recovery of mine was really all the more surprising because in 1969, Jean had taught in Arizona and we had been there the seven weeks too. On the way home, there had been a serious automobile accident that wasn't our fault in any way. Jean and I both ended up in the hospital, and we came home. We were there two weeks in the hospital. We ended up in back braces, and I was in a back brace for about three months. And every doctor I saw in Arizona, every doctor I saw in Wellesley said, you know, you're going to have that arthritis of yours settling in your back, and there really isn't going to be anything that we can do to help you. You're just going to have to live with it. And you know, I wouldn't know I had a back. And you should have seen me doing my yoga exercises on the floor of the room over there this morning. I do them twice every day. And I can, I'll bet you I can do them better than most of you people. It's just really incredible. So when on the way home, well, let's back up a little bit. After Gene came home from that meeting in Texas, when I had gone to my first meeting, he came home and I said, guess what, I'm a Shackley distributor. Oh, well, that's all right, but just don't bother me with it. And he was too busy, there's no doubt about it. He would, he would sympathize with you, Dusty. He really was too busy. But on the way home from Arizona, when he saw what happened to my health, he said, would you like to be a supervisor? And I said, yes, I think I would. Because I knew someday I had to start earning money. You cannot put five children through college on a teacher's salary unless they all get 100% uh, scholarships or something. And so I knew I had to start working, but I didn't want to work away from home. I really didn't. I wanted to be there when the children came home from school, and I wanted to know their friends and so on. Well, this seemed like a perfect opportunity for me, so we began. And the way I started was, I called up, have you ever heard about Basic H? No, nobody ever had. Will you come over because this is the most amazing product and we're going to teach you all about it. It's the least expensive thing you can use. And so I had a meeting in a morning and another meeting in an afternoon and another meeting in an evening. Three meetings every week. And if they couldn't come on Monday morning, I said, well, next week it's going to be on Tuesday morning. And I just shifted, and then I'd call them up, you know, 15 people would say they could come, and five would come maybe. And I'd call the other 10 up and say, we had the best time, but we're going to have another one. And I just kept that up until I got them there. Now, I felt like my responsibility was just to get them there once. If they didn't want to buy it after, after they heard about it, that's their problem. But my responsibility was to get them there once. So I had three meetings, product meetings, every week. And I didn't talk very much about the supplements. Because as a home ec major, I was still a little skitterish about that, even though I knew what had happened to me. But little by little, people, other people began to have results, and I found it wasn't just me. And then I got more courage to talk about the, the supplements, and it was finally the supplements in the end that really brought the most people in. So by November, after we came back, the very end of August, the 1st of September, by November, we were supervisors. Gene began to, to uh, come home from school and he'd say, what did you sell today? And he'd put the things up on the shelf and kind of keep them organized and he'd say, you know, these things don't ever talk back to me. 
and it was nice and relaxing for him. And so we began to work, he began to help me a little bit more with the mechanical parts of it. And he finally realized that this would be a tremendous thing for us to do when he retired from Newton because we had our children a lot later than most people because the Second World War came along and I did not want any children if there wasn't going to be a daddy there to help me raise them. So we had our five children after most people do. So we were in our 60s, or he was in his 60s, and I was in my 50s, and we were still having a lot of college bills ahead of us. So this was our plan. Well, then in 1975, Scott decided, the boy who was a musician, decided he wanted to go to Oberlin, to the conservatory. And you don't apply to a conservatory. You go, and you audition, and you interview. So Gene took him to Ohio, and uh, on a Saturday night, he called me. He said, that thing went so well, I know that boy will get into that school. And the next night, I was just putting my choir robe on, and we were going to be singing the Messiah, when Timmy, who was 14 at the time, came to the door of the choir room, and he said, Mom, there's a police officer here, and he wants to talk to you. So I followed Timmy, and there was a police officer who had given our boys their driver education, and he said, Mrs. Ferguson, there's been an accident, and your son is in a hospital in Pennsylvania. I said, but where's my husband? And he said, he didn't make it. Now, you stop and think for just one minute what would have happened to me. I really did not have one marketable skill. Not one. I could have gone to an employer and said, I've raised five children and I've done a lot of volunteer work. He would have said, that's so nice, but you know, we don't really have a place for you, lady. Wouldn't he? I could have been a clerk. I could have been a... Well, I couldn't even have been a secretary. I couldn't even type that well. I did not have a marketable skill, and I sure couldn't have gone to teach Jean's math class. But you see, I didn't have to stop and say, Oh, what's going to happen to poor me? I knew who I was. I was a Shackley supervisor. We had three supervisors on our recap, and two months later we became coordinators. And so the other distributors and supervisors kept my office going. They couldn't wait for the relatives to go home, for me to get back into my office. And I had people calling me and saying, Kay, wouldn't you like to come and play bridge with us? And you know, Kay, there's this nice group called Parents Without Partners. Wouldn't you like to join that? And I'd say, I've got so much social life, I can't keep up with it all. It was true. And I was around positive, energetic, forward-thinking people. Anybody interested in non-polluting products and good health are open-minded, forward-looking, enthusiastic people, aren't they? And so I was surrounded by the most wonderful people. Now, this thing happened to, not the same way the other two were heart attacks, but there were three people, three women in our church. All of us lost our husbands just about the same time. And what Shackley has done for me is unbelievable. There's no comparison. Well, then I worked a business by myself for three years. And my son, my oldest son, Bob, was a transcendental meditation teacher. And he had started a program in Walpole State Prison, which is our maximum security prison, and had tremendous results with those people. But you know, nobody wanted to pay Bob to work with prisoners. Nobody. And he was married, and he came to me and he said, Mom, I've got to have some money. 
Now, do you want me as a partner in your Shackley business, or would you like me to be a supervisor in your group? And I said, I need a partner. We don't need two sets of books, two sets of products. I need a partner. So Bob came into the business with me as a partner. Now, one of the first things that Bob did, he said, Mom, your printing bill is killing you. You're spending way too much money on printed material. And, you know, he had learned a little about the printing business from an older man, a Mr. Fleming, who was in his 70s, and he and Bob were just the best friends, and Bob always had way back in his mind somewhere this printing thing and so it was just sort of a natural he said what we need is a printing press and I'll print our the bulletins that Shackley sends out and I'll print our newsletters and the newsletters for the people in our group so he got a little Gestetner have you people ever heard of a lemon we had a lemon let me tell you that thing was always broken and the repairman would come out and it was be fixed and an hour later, it would be broken. And it was, I don't know how Bob ever kept his sanity working with that thing. And finally, he says, the idea is still good. And what I need to do is to get a really good press and get a printer to run it. Because we've got to have good-looking material. That was the one thing that bothered him. People would bring in material that was the tenth copy of the tenth copy, and it made Shackley look like a real second-rate outfit. And that bothered him so much. So then we got the big press. And he got a man to run it. And then the collator came into the basement. And then the shrink wrapper came into the basement. And so on. And we couldn't even move in that basement pretty soon. And he was frantically looking for a place to run that, that printing business. Because, you see, for us to be able to afford it, we had to sell it to other people. And he said, if we've got the need to have good-looking literature, so does everybody else in Shackley. And that's really how the ideal graphics came to be. Well, then, last summer... Bob found this three-story printing building. Uh, it, was a, it was a business, and he bought it, and it had not had any loving care for about 40 years. You wouldn't believe that place. But little by little, we get over there, and, and the night after Thanksgiving, all four boys were home, and we were all over there painting and laughing and teasing and having the best time. And you know when we all work together what it does for a family? So that's really how you got that, that ideal graphics. Now, Bob is a tremendous teacher. He has his daddy's ability to be a teacher. And Bob began to do one-on-ones and began to do some of the meetings. And, you know, we have a really good um, arrangement going. If there are any ladies over 70, I send Bob, because they love Bob. <laughs> And Bob will say, Mom, I've got somebody whose hair is about the same color as yours. Why don't you go talk to them? Because they'll listen to you better than they will to me. Or if I find a young man, I'll say, Bob, here's a young couple. Why don't you go talk to them? Because they don't want to listen to some grandmother. But they'll listen to you. So Bob and I feel like we've got all friends covered, just, just like the birds. Doesn't it work that way? It really is exciting. And we'll be, he'll go to a meeting one place, and I'll go to a meeting another place, and then we're back in the office about 11 at night, and Bob will put his arm around me, and he'll say, Mom, I just love to play Shackley with you. And you know, this is really what we feel like. This is not work work. This is play work. Do you know I've been working the last two days? Did you know that? And I got to see some nice, pretty things down here and stay in a beautiful hotel. And I got a lot more sleep than I do when I'm home where that desk is. And I've met all of you people, and I had a beautiful dinner last night, and I was working. 
<laughs> it really is exciting. And so this is really the story of our Shackley business. Now, I want to, to go over some of these things. I'm going to scoot this board over closer so that I can see it. All right, now let's think about these things that we wanted with our ideal business. What about health? Would you say I have health? Absolutely. I tell everybody, uh, people are calling me now and saying, will you come and speak for our group? And you know, my mother would say, yes, the Lord willing. Meaning if I'm not sick, right? I never have to say that. Of course I can be there. Well, I look at the calendar and see if I'm not booked up. And if there's an empty day, I can say, of course I'll be there. And I can. I don't have to worry about, am I going to be sick? I have good health. And, you know, I used to have big doctor bills and big hospital bills, and I felt terrible. And now I've got a big food supplement bill, and I feel tremendous. <laughs> so... The next one is wealth, and our bonus checks run around, oh, eight to $10,000 a month. Now, you know, we have a lot of expenses. We have a big UPS bill, and we've got a big telephone bill and all that sort of thing, but I really have enough money that we can manage. <laughs> and so I don't have to worry much about that anymore, and I don't have to worry that somebody's going to fire me next month and it won't be there, do I? It's going to come in every month. Happiness. What would you say about happiness? It is absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible how much fun this job is. And as uh, um, Dusty said about the people uh, at that convention, when Naomi Cranny talked about the very first coordinator's convention that they ever had in San Juan in 1975, I think, she said she was talking to the maid in the room the, the, the following morning after the big banquet and said the maid said something about that was a beautiful convention. And Naomi said, yes, you know, Shackley always does things up first rate. They always do things so nicely. She said, no, 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 I don't mean that. I mean, it was a beautiful convention. She said, everybody was laughing and talking and having fun, and nobody is angry and nobody is drunk. It was a beautiful convention. And that's always what happens. So we have happiness. What about our own hours? J.K. Baker called Bob, uh, let's see, Wednesday, I guess, and said, do you think your mother would come down and talk? And Bob said, sure she will. <laughs> well, now, when J.K. called me, I said, J.K., we've got a supervisor's meeting Friday night, and we've got a room at the top Saturday morning, which they're having right now. And I said, I've got to think about this a little bit. Well, I called Bob, and he said, Mom, we can run these things without you. <laughs> and I had promised our, uh, our supervisors a big pancake supper because I make the best pancakes in the world. I use a whole lot of baking enricher in it. And so I said, he said, you mix up the mix. So I mixed up the dry mix and I made a list of the, uh, the wet things he was supposed to be put in them. And I set the table and I put out the, the thermos pots for the, for the cafex and the tea and all that. I fixed it all up. 
and I called one of the distributors and I, or supervisors and I said, will you take charge of the meeting on Saturday? And you know, I'm down here and my business is rolling right along. I can choose whether I want to be there or not. And I called Bob last night when we were at our little banquet uh, in the hotel here. I called, no, we were the masters in somewhere. I called Bob and I said, tell everybody hello. I'm thinking about them. And he said, Mom, they gave me a standing ovation for my pancakery. <laughs> so, you see, you can set your own hours. And, you know, one of the nice things, I know people who have to go to work at 9, and they have to leave at 5 because the door's locked. Now, if I want to play all day and work in my office at night, I can do it. I decide when I want to work. What about being my own boss? Absolutely. And this would be a hard thing for me after having managed my own home for all these years and then have to go to work for somebody else. And even though they were very nice people, to have to do things somebody else's way would be a little hard for me, I must admit. And so it's nice to be my own boss. What about opportunity? Do you know my husband was one of the best math teachers in this country? He was on all the national boards. He was a tremendous teacher. He never could ever make more money than the school committee allowed. Never. I don't care how good a job he did. Who's going to tell me what my top limit is? There's an insurance man up where we live who is a tremendous insurance salesman. He sold over $100,000 last year. Well, you know, we can't have that thing going on. He's making more money than the president of the company. So what they did was divide his territory, give him the worst half. That's the way they rewarded their tremendous salesman. Nobody does that for me, do they? I've got all the opportunity in the world. What about security? Well, I don't think I'll ever have to go to live with any of my children if I don't want to. I think I could live with any of the five of them, but it's so nice to know I don't have to, if I don't want to. I really have security, and you'd be amazed what a nice, free, comfortable feeling that is. What about retirement? Well, I showed the people last night. Let me get this board. Well, I'll tell you, because you couldn't see it if I wrote it up here anyway. You write it on your paper. When Jean was killed... I got $476 a month. He paid into that retirement fund every year he taught it, every month that he taught at Newton High School. Two months after his accident, I became a coordinator. Twelve months later, I could have retired for half of my special bonuses. My special bonuses were $2,400. So what was my retirement? You have now come to the end of side one. Immediately take your tape out and turn it over for side two. Thank you.